Welcome to the Accessible Yoga Podcast, your weekly source for questions and answers around equity in yoga, hosted by Jeevana Heyman and Amber Carnes. Join us each week for powerful conversations with thought leaders at the intersection of justice, knowledge, and practice. Welcome to episode 25. I'm your host, Amber Carnes. In this episode, Jeevana sits down with four accessible yoga teachers to talk about the accessible yoga training online, how the training impacted their teaching, and how they are carrying the mission of accessible yoga into their work. Natasha, Sarah, Mark, and Jackie, Sunny, each share where they are located, about the work they do, the communities they serve, and how taking this training transformed their perspectives of the practice. This conversation gives insight into the benefits of joining the accessible yoga teacher training and also helps you to imagine some possibilities for yourself if you further accessibility in your work. Hope you enjoy it. Here we go. Hi, this is Jeevana. Um, thanks so much for joining us for this episode of our podcast. And I'm so excited because today uh, what we're doing is we're talking to a few people who have taken the accessible yoga training in the past. And uh, I'm wanting them to share their experience with the program. And also, I've chosen people who've worked, I'm excited about whose work I'm excited about. I want them to tell you about what they do. So I thought um, we'd go around and have everyone introduce themselves and talk about their work. So uh, Natasha, do you want to start? Do you mind saying hi? Wonderful. Thank you. Greetings, everyone. My name is Natasha Shawa. I'm uh, the founder and owner of Dubwise Yoga Denver, which is a Denver practice here that I um, my own business here that I do um, here in Denver, Colorado. I'm also <clears throat> I'm also a member owner and graduate of Satya Yoga Cooperative here in Denver. Also, we are um, a bi POC um, yoga owned cooperative, as well as um, we also have our own um, teacher training. And then I also um, am the studio manager and media director um, with Guided by Humanity. And under that hat, I also um, do mindfulness practices and wellness practices with a focus on um, for those with um, intellectual and developmental disabilities, as well as a focus on seniors, um, youth, teens, um, just marginalized um, people who um, usually don't get um, that focus. Um, So those are kind of the hats that I wear. But overall, I've been practicing yoga for almost 20 years now. I've been teaching for a little, almost about three. and just loving and trying to expand my learning of the practice and applying it daily to not only myself, but just everything, of course, that we learn and and sharing it with others. And I'm just so appreciative to be able to learn accessible yoga training and just um, using the tools from the training to expand um, what I'm doing with my work. So I'm just grateful to be here today. Thank you so much. And you work for so many great organizations. Yeah, right. thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks, Natasha. Uh, Sarah, how about you? Can you say hi? Hello. So I'm Sarah. And I'm from originally New Zealand, um, but I am currently in Canberra, and that's in the Australian Capital Territory. Um. I've been teaching yoga since January 2017, so reasonable new teacher. And uh, I've been teaching in gyms and studios. And basically, recently, I came into uh, teaching for people with intellectual disability. 
And I had heard of accessible yoga long before I uh, came to that teaching platform of um, working for people in that field. Um, I'm also a plus size teacher, so um, I teach to curvy bodies as well. And I have been really greatly enjoying um, using accessible yoga in the um, many classes that I teach, bringing it to people in gym spaces who originally thought that they wouldn't be able to do yoga, Um, bringing it to people in the studios as well, helping them to identify ways that they can personalize and customize their practices. And uh, for the people that I teach with the intellectual disabilities and and making it so accessible to them as well. I think that's about it from me to start with. Well, I know one more thing about you, which is that you're the main moderator for our um, accessible yoga community (laughs) Facebook group. Yes, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you wanted to admit that or not, but you do so much much work behind the scenes uh, keeping that very large group going so thank you sarah oh that's okay happy to help (laughs) (laughs) all right thanks okay how about mark can you say hi and tell us about yourself yes hello um my name is mark sedembrino i'm a fat queer yoga teacher and sociologist living in hammond louisiana and i've been teaching yoga since 2017 as well And um, my primary focus is on making yoga accessible for folks in larger bodies. And so um, some folks may know of the work that I do um, through, I guess, it really feels so strange to say like my brand, but that is uh, what it is, but Fat Kid Yoga Club. And um, I offer pre-recorded yoga practices as well as live yoga practices online now. Um, since uh, we're still in the midst of this pandemic um, in the state that I live in, in Louisiana. And so um, that's been sort of my primary focus in terms of helping folks adopt primarily asana uh, to work with their bodies and to find some joyful movement in their bodies. Because as someone who has always been a fat kid myself, Um, Movement was not always something that was joyful and was often something that was um, a punishment and very displeasurable. So just holding space for folks who are typically left out of wellness spaces um, and allowing them um, to really sort of get into their bodies. Um, I'm also one of the members of the Emerging Trans Yoga Project, which um, is an an initiative to um, help make yoga communities more inclusive and accessible for transgender people um, and more broadly queer people. Um, And I also bring yoga into my sociology classrooms because I think there's a lot of overlap between the two. So I try to teach my students that through sociology, we can begin to, you know, understand our shared humanity Um, which is also something that we can do in our yoga practice. So I use things like movement and meditation and even a little bit of pranayama in my sociology classroom as well. I think that's it for me. That's awesome. 
I'm so excited about the Trans Yoga Project. Thank you. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, all right. Uh, Jackie, Sunny, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi. Yeah. So I'm Jackie. A lot of people know me online as Sunny B. Um, I teach a, I've been teaching since late 2016. I teach quite a variety. I am a plus size yogi also. And that's sort of what led me down my path into accessible yoga, starting with um, Diane Bondi's training, learning different modifications. And then that led me towards uh, Jivana and the accessible yoga community and was able to take the training, I believe, with you in Jacksonville, Florida in um, 2018, maybe. Not 100% sure on the date. But so I am in the nor northwest of Florida panhandle, if I forgot to mention that. And I just teach a variety of different people, um, different students. I teach an older population. I teach wheelchair yoga that was all pre-pandemic. Now we can't go into the nursing facilities anymore. But I also, I really love chair yoga. I teach a lot of chair yoga at the college, in the studio, and online. And once a week, I do a um, Instagram live class with Diane where she does a standing practice and I do the same practice seated in the chair at the same time. So we kind of have a split screen going so that people can see and learn how they can do both um, at the same time. I've just been really fortunate to serve a lot of different communities um, with accessible yoga, um, a lot of different needs. And uh, just fortunately, I've had the good training to be able to be flexible in all of that. Great. Thanks. Thanks, Jackie. Um, all right, so I have some questions for all of you, and I was hoping we could just go around and you could share your experiences. Um, I guess some of you already kind of mentioned this, but I'm, I think I was kind of curious about um, what you, how your thinking changed from before you took the training to after, and I guess to understand that, I guess I'm hoping to maybe have you share a bit about um, what your previous training was like and, and whether um, you were working with people with disabilities or people who didn't feel comfortable in a traditional yoga class um, before the accessible yoga training. Could you talk about that? Does that make sense? Natasha, do you want to share? I'm just going to go around. Sure, wonderful. Um, I'm, I would, okay, so prior, <laughs> prior to COVID and prior to um, the training too, actually, um, I was um, just certified as a, as a Hatha yoga teacher, but I, my personal practice, um, <clears throat> was, um, Ashtanga yoga. So I'm used to a very physical and, and I've always been that way in general. I was always very athletic growing up. I played, you know, soccer and volleyball and ran track and just, so I was, I was just always moving. <laughs> and so mm -hmm. for me, um, when I did come into finding yoga, so, you know, a lot, you know, so many years ago, um, it was coming from that space, of course, first, of just like, this just feels good, and then kind of going from there, um, and then gradually wanting to teach. And and when I chose to teach, I, I you know, I'm very, you know, privileged, I think, in the, in the way that I was able to be able to pick the training that I have, and it happened to be specifically a training um, focused on um, by POC, so Black, Indigenous, People of Color, um, specifically, and 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 it's just a, a, a training like no, none other. Like, and, and it's easy to say that, but it really is. 
Um, and so learning from the training and then my own experiences, I just, I made the mission to um, mm -hmm. teach and focus on BIPOC. Um, even though I do teach openly, but my focus was there. And it was also coming from a background of healthcare. So for, prior to even um, mm. falling into teaching kind of full time now, um, prior to this, I was, I was working in the hospital and I was working actually um, in a rehabilitation hospital here um, with um, spinal cord injury and traumatic brain injury patients. And then I mm. also worked in the neuro ICU. And so um, 12 hour shifts, you know, three to four days a week, back to back, you start to, you just have a different appreciation, of course, for life, because you're seeing it um, full circle. On the rehab end, mm -hmm. I'm seeing people heal. And in the neuro ICU, I'm seeing the initial accident. So um, as I was doing that, I would, you know, have to use the practice, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. working 12 hour night shifts, you use the practice in a way that's different. Um, and then you're also exposing yourself to those around you um, using the practice. So um, COVID came along and I had my last little one and, and I stepped back. But as I stepped back, I actually joined um, yoga teacher training and became a teacher um, starting when I was two months pregnant. And mm -hmm. went to the training and came out and, you know, started teaching and kind of started this path, but still always kept in the back of my mind wanting to be and bring wellness to um, just healthcare backgrounds, um, making sure that communities of color were exposed um, because we're still community-based and focused, um, especially coming from the Satya end because we don't have like a, a, a brick and mortar studio. We really focus on being a community and part, you know, um, just mm -hmm. being really out. Um, and, and that's what we love doing. Um, so just trying to continue that path and hitting all the people that we should, um, but just in a different way because our practice is very gentle. And so then you came along <laughs> sure. and, and, and I just happened to come across your training and um, I just was like, okay, let me, let me go for this because I already knew already like who I wanted to use it with. Um, but it was just going through the whole experience and, and I could have waited for you to come here to Denver, um, but I chose to fly out to Atlanta and mm -hmm. do that sacred chill. And I was grateful for that experience and those who I got to interact with. And ever since that day, it just um, has broadened my spectrum. And I'm super appreciative of it because I feel like when you learn this practice and you have these tools, not only are you looking at people differently and bodies differently and at, you know, just everything so different. Um, you, you're able to actually bring something that makes the practice or just somebody in general feel included in such a way that's gentle. Um, obviously, you know, the word accessible, um, but just the encouragement of using, you know, props and tools around you and, you know, things that are everyday items in our homes and making that accessible in itself. And then having someone practice with you and afterwards say like, thank you. Like I, you know, it could be a simple practice that you would be doing in a uh, standing, you know, seated postures, and you know, throughout the practice, but just to do it in a chair, um, or not even just in a chair with a chair, because I try to encourage mm -hmm. that too. Like it's not like don't don't look at it as like this less than prop, you know. It's something there that you can grab when you need it and not need it. <laughs> you know, I encourage mm -hmm. people when we're setting up, like put every, all the tools around you, 
so that mm. you can grab and go as you're, you know, experiencing it. Um, so I'm just grateful. And I think for me answering your question, like it's just expanded my, my um, thought and how I look at people and just knowing that I have an option or some type of alternative to give um, is wonderful because, you know, not enough of us are saying, I don't know. You know, we feel like we have to fill that space or that void with something. Um, but it's okay to say to a student or somebody like, hey, do you have a modification? And mm -hmm. be like, I don't know. I'd rather mm -hmm. hear that than you put me in a position that's going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. so, um, so if we can take the time to just come from that perspective by learning a practice or just learning from those of us who have this practice and, and continuing with those and setting the example, um, then we can continue to make yoga what it is and make it truly mm. accessible and inclusive. Great. All right. Thank you. That's beautiful. Um, Sarah, do you want to share? Um, and I think sure. we're just combining the, just kind of two parts to the question, like how maybe how the training shifted your, um, your teaching based on what you had been trained in and then maybe what you learned. Okay. So, um, when I did my first teacher training, it was in Vinyasa flow. But beforehand, I was um, doing a practice of power yoga and yin yoga. And most of those um, classes were with the aim of helping me to stay mobile because I was diagnosed with osteoarthritis in 2012. Um, after doing my teacher training with Heather, um, who I found to be the person who instigated the first thoughts of accessibility um, because she included in her training uh, being able to take whatever pose you're being taught in the training and to question, well, I might not have somebody come along to the class who can do this particular pose. How do I change this pose to suit that person's body? Because we're not all cookie cutter. We're not... Um, all fitting the same pose, the same way. We've all got different bodies. And so she encouraged us to question that and to be creative and explore during our teacher training. So that was probably my first touch of accessibility in yoga was in my first, ta uh, first training. Um, but as I went through um, before my teacher training, I had been practicing yoga for a few years and friends were seeing benefits through my practice and they had asked me oh what can I do um you know I've got fibromyalgia do you know what would be good for me to do yoga wise and I would be saying to them I'm not trying to teach you um I'm just doing this personal practice I have no clue and that also put that little um, thought into my mind of being a bit more useful to those around me and helping them to come to some form of comfort and healing in the same way that I was experiencing with yoga. So those two precursors, the training that I did and also the people that were around me experiencing chronic conditions uh, were the keystone for me to move into where I am heading now and in coming into the accessible yoga training I was um, looking forward to meeting Jeevana face to face <laughs> and um, then along came COVID 
So um, the Sydney training that I was going to be attending um, has been put off. And I was really thankful, Jeevana, that you put on the online training. Um, and that was such an invaluable experience. Um, so even though I'd already experienced uh, looking at poses in a different way and being able to make them accessible for people, whoever presented in my class, um, it took my awareness of accessibility and inclusivity to the nth degree. It just um, expanded like a light was switched on of all these other aspects that I hadn't considered before. And I quite liked it that the training was like this smorgasbord of information from being able to make the practice accessible for people, which is what I had already had that precursor of, but then also looking into equity and gender and race and looking into brain trauma and um, PTSD and other um, trauma-informed yoga. So there was a lot of things to cover, but it was all covered so succinctly and and the information was just like it started another whole ball rolling again so <laughs> that um i found it really supported what i was looking toward which is um eventually becoming a yoga therapist which i'm in training for now and to help people come to healing through yoga therapy through accessible and inclusive yoga for whatever chronic conditions or persistent conditions that they may be experiencing and, um, yeah, I'm very thankful for that training to be included into what I have done, and it's life-changing. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. How about Mark? Do you want to share? Yes, I'd love to share a little bit about um, my training. So my uh, initial 200-hour training was through Annie Carpenter's Smart Flow Yoga, um, which mm -hmm. is, if anyone knows anything about um, that uh, system, if you will. It's a very vinyasa-based, very athletic um, practice. And so one of the things that I loved most about it, though, is that even though it is um, can be quite strenuous and, and quite physically demanding, the teaching from, from Annie Carpenter is just imbued with radical acceptance and this idea that there's no one way to practice a posture that there's no one way to practice yoga and that in particular, you know, our bodies change and the body that you had today is not the body that you had yesterday. And it's not the body that you're going to have 10 years from now. And, um, really asks people to celebrate what they can accomplish today. Right. Um, and so that was, you know, a big foundation of my 200 hour training, but as someone in a larger body, um, during that training, I often sort of struggled to keep up, if you will, with other folks in the class. Um, and some of my the, the trainers in, in that training were, were helpful in offering me adaptations. But in a lot of ways, I kind of had to get really curious and um, explore for myself different ways to adapt postures. Um, I had to rely on on so much other information as well, you know, um, Amber Carnes and Diane Bondi are, are just wonderful wealths of knowledge that already have it out there. And so through my own yoga teacher training process, I kind of learned to sit with what was possible for me 
and begin to imagine different ways of practicing. And that's something that I have always tried to bring to um, the practice that I offer folks in the studio or now online. And so I was really excited to take the accessible yoga training um, because I, I just wanted more, right? <laughs> Once you, you start thinking about how do you make this practice accessible, you, you just want more. Um, and that's certainly what I got. And, and I really felt so affirmed in the uh, accessible yoga training in that it, it sort of validated me and letting me know that, you know, what I was doing um, was already making yoga accessible. And then, like Sarah said, took that to the nth degree. And I think one of the things that I'm taking away or the biggest shift that has happened for me um, since completing the accessible yoga training, I think, is the permission to make my yoga practices, teaching, and offerings political, because it is, right? So um, mainstream yoga studios often want you just to go in to teach the asana, teach the pranayama, have po folks leave feeling better, um, and so that they come back and, and pay for class again next week. And although my personal practice was much more political, um, because I had been socialized by studios that wanted to um, erase the political nature of the practice, um, I noticed that that's very much what I was doing. So my practices would very much be, you know, um, let's, let's move our body, let's rest, see you next week. And perhaps there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, for me, that also leaves out um, so much more. And so what I've been doing since uh, completing the accessible yoga training is really just taking my, my political uh, sociological self and allowing that self to merge um, with my yoga self and really inviting people who practice with me to really sit with difficult issues. You know, um, for example, here in Louisiana, um, so far this year, there are at least four black trans women that we know that have been murdered. Um, and I've never been in a yoga class where anything like that is acknowledged, but we acknowledge that in my practices mm -hmm. and it may make you a little bit uncomfortable, but I think that's why we get on the mat anyway, is to be able to start thinking about, you know, if we can be, be uncomfortable and clear headed on the mat, how do we begin to be uncomfortable and clear headed off the mat? Um, and so one of the things, as I've said, that, that really I've taken away from the accessible yoga training is that it's okay to bring the politics to the forefront. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for that, Jeevana. Great. Thank you. Yeah, that makes me very happy. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I love the connection you made with that kind of um, the resiliency that we find through yoga, you know, allowing us to allowing that resiliency to kind of show up in our lives so that we can address difficult things and, you know, look at the really, um, I don't know, the, the parts of our lives that we often want to just turn away from to other people's suffering and the way we might contribute to that. So anyway, I really, I appreciate that, Mark. Thank you. Um, how about Jackie? Do you want to share? Yes. My story is uh, quite similar to Mark's also. I, 
except that I had gone into yoga teacher training not to actually be a teacher because I truly didn't believe that someone in a plus size body like myself could be a yoga teacher. Um, it wasn't really addressed very well in my training. It was just a very basic 200 hour that we had at my home studio. And um, we had a couple of hours that were focused on accessibility. Basically it was, here's how you teach yoga in a chair. Um, not a lot of detail into prop usage or anything like that. And then that's when I discovered Amber and Diane's training went in that direction. And that was the first time I realized, wait, I could be a yoga teacher and I probably should be a yoga teacher because we clearly need more people who can be out there teaching um, in all different kinds of bodies, um, not just plus size, but all different kinds. I've got two chronic illnesses also that show up a lot of times in my practice that need to be accommodated for. Um, and, and that's a lot of the students that I see that walk in the door. And so after that training, after my 200 hour, I have been asked to sub a couple of chair classes and, you know, I could get by and I realized that I liked it a lot. And this was the community more so that I wanted to work with and that I was going to need some deeper training. And, um, you know, I had the basic knowledge of how to use, how to modify the poses for standing in a mat practice. Um, I could get by with teaching a couple of chair practice, but I really wasn't truly serving the students um, with dis disabilities or other specific needs um, before I was, before I had that um, accessible yoga training and just was really grateful that, that training was available and was able to equip me with what I was, with my, my goals were and what I was looking for. But of course we got so much more out of it anyway. Mm. And now you're teaching everywhere, ever, ever online, I guess. I'm teaching, I'm teaching. <laughs> I'm grateful for what I get to do. I just, I really feel like it's such a, a service and not a job. Mm. Right. There you go. Um, all right. so. I wonder if we can go around maybe one more time and share um, either maybe something that like something that surprised you um, that maybe you learned in the training, something that maybe or shifted your thinking about yoga, or if you'd rather maybe share, you could just share a story about, um, you know, a experience you've had working with a student. Um, and how that became a learning experience. So I don't know, I'm just learning. I'm, I'm interested in hearing. I don't know, maybe something you learned from the training or else how it kind of impacted your teaching after. Um, what do you think? Should we go around again? Natasha, do you want to share? Sure, yes. Um, for me, um, as I can I can relate it. It relates to the student after because they're, they're benefiting from um, me learning. And I'm actually applying a lot of our stuff to myself because I was recently in an accident. Um, so I'm actually a year and a half out. <laughs> so I've been wow. using the practice to actually help me heal. Um, and in doing so, um, those who take part in my practices benefit because, <laughs> because not only are they learning this natural practice of incorporating props and just these items, um, but that they too are feeling like what I feel because I have to, mm. you know, I, I, mm -hmm. I, I'm doing it not only for myself, but 
also I'm also sharing um, the practice. So um, yeah, I, I see so many benefits. And, and as I said earlier, like hearing people say after just like, gosh, just using a block and applying and turning, you know, putting that force into that at that height, you know, at that angle, you know, opening up your chest in such a way or, you know, looking at simple postures of like, you know, Shavasana is like people thinking, oh, it needs to be you laying down, you know, and just, you know, encouraging like having your feet up on a chair, <laughs> you know, and resting forward on a bolster. That's that's Shavasana, like, like just showing that it can be shown in different ways, like postures that have been um that are looked at as the traditional and, and I just um, had to learn. Um, and it, it's funny cause it wasn't too long after I did the training with you and then everything came into play. <laughs> like I just, I yeah. had to use it and, and I just am so appreciative of it because um, yeah, I just try my best to make it natural now. Mm-hmm. Um, and and like I said, try to make it something that's not like let's just just get the block. Like it's I just remind people to set themselves up, make it accessible to you, have it nearby, you know, because maybe you're gonna do one round of sun, you know, several rounds of sun salutation or, or just any type of flow and it feels good. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like three out of those, you know, several rounds you, you needed support. Um, mm-hmm. because for me that's how it is with my hip, you know, in the in the area where I had my injury. Um, still, you know, that, that there's times when I'm strong and then there's times where I'm, I'm going to buckle, you know? (laughs) And so the practice too is, was a lovely reminder with those who attended with me in my cohort, um, to, to also, um, not look at people and just think that they don't have, you know, that we're all okay. Because there were several people within my training that, you know, had some issue, that you would not have, you know, considered. And, and so that's just how we we're so trained, you know, mm-hmm. to just look at people and if they don't have an actual physical disability that we assume that they're okay, you know? And, mm-hmm. and, and I think that those of us who take the practice and just want to apply and come from this approach um, are just able to look at people a little bit differently when they enter and just always, you always have in the back of your mind, like, I don't know what this person has. You know, and that's just always what my reminder is. It's like, I don't know what this person is able to do or, you know, but I'm always going to try and come from this basic 101, you know, practice and just always have the props nearby. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, honestly, since I've had my energy, like I was teaching well before my accident and, and doing well, but to be honest, it's since the practice and since having my injury and working through it and, and people physically, like as I'm teaching, you're physically seeing me get better over time. Um, that is what has expanded, <laughs> you know, and broadened my spectrum because that vulnerability is like on show, especially those of us who are showing and teaching virtually, you know, you're seeing those moments, like Jackie's saying, when you're showing up truly, you know, yourself in your practice, and then, you know, you're showing up differently other ways. So. Um, so that's kind of my example yeah. for that. Yeah. I, I love I love it. That. Sorry. And it also just like, I, I don't know about anyone else, but I know for me and because of injury and because it applies to like so many in our communities, just so many different ways, anatomy, I feel like we look at it just differently, you know, anatomy and just 
those types of body works, I think is just a, a now something that I just want to dive more into and learn more about and understand. Um, yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I just also love how you shared, well, I'm sorry about the accident, but I, I love that idea that, you know, as a teacher, if we've had an injury or if we have a disability or any kind of challenge that actually makes us learn and grow and become, I don't know, maybe a better teacher rather than worse. And I think there's just like, that that's something that just bothers me so much about the kind of um, commercial yoga world that tends to want teachers to be able to do everything and look a certain way. And I feel like actually that doesn't mean you're going to be a better teacher. And I just, I love that example of how your injury made you a better teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Sarah, do you want to share something, either like something that you took from the training or an example of how that helped you teach? Mm. Um, first, I want to agree with you and Natasha about um, what you were just saying. Um, I remember when I first started teaching and I was um, going to work for a studio and I uh, went along to do a uh, trial class and the studio owner um, said to me that what I had taught was great but you just need to express the full um part of the pose you know don't do do don't do behalf measures and i had demonstrated to the full capability of my body so we're talking about um how we don't know what students have when they come in right talking about um everybody's body is different and that we're accessing what we can within our body's capabilities on any given day that um, that really relates to me and my past experiences. And considering I, yeah, along with osteoarthritis, I've, I've experienced chronic fatigue and um, been pretty out of it for a number of years in some places. Um, when you get that kind of... Um, request it's like well I am doing my best <laughs> so having accessible yoga out there being able to acknowledge that everybody's body is different yoga is accessible for all wherever you're at at any given day is just wonderful mm. um how I've um come across post accessible yoga training with what I've been doing in my teaching and my day-to-day -day experiences. There's two things that stand out. I'm going to address them briefly, both of them. The first one is that my tr um, training has allowed me to uh, be more aware of what I'm doing for my students uh, in the sense of that maybe I was teaching them um, a something adapted for a chair and then realized that, oh, maybe they might want to explore it um, from a different position on the chair or a different position behind the chair. Instead of sitting on the chair, maybe they want to try standing behind and finding that they were perfectly capable of it. It just was that I hadn't thought outside of the box as far as I thought I could. You know, how we have that um, 
pre-thinking and then post-training thinking. It just allows you to break free of, you know, when you thought you weren't in the box (laughs) and all of a sudden, oh, okay, (laughs) I've got a lot more that I could actually tap into and somehow I've just limited myself. So that was something that surprised me post-training is that, you know, I can expand upon uh, what teaching I'm already doing and that maybe it was just me holding myself back. Mm. Um, Another point is the, um, um, after um, Kelly's talk on uh, race equity um, and I came across a post within one of my social media feeds And typically I think that everything's going fine in my social. I don't have any haters or um, people that have form of, you know, a a racism, but I came across this one post and they were complaining about a TV show that had been, had a couple of episodes withdrawn because somebody had filed a complaint that there was a racist term in the two episodes. And I noticed that everybody was commenting underneath it of, oh, we're all getting so sensitive. We won't be able to say anything next because, oh, we will offend somebody. And then I looked at who was making the comments. Every single person within the comments that I could see were white Mm -hmm. and they were making a complaint that somebody had um, said that, oh, this is racist. And it was coming from somebody who identified with what that comment was and it was a derogatory comment something that we might not know but the station that withdrew the two episodes acknowledged it and said oh we're sorry we did not know that we'll remove them so kudos to the station for acknowledging that somebody has made that complaint but I put a question on that feed I said um anybody here making that comment actually of a a person of color and so it's another thing that has surprised me from that um, training is that I'm more aware now of um, racism, inequality, and, uh, you know, that things I might not have noticed before are there. Mm-hmm. Great. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks. Um, yeah. Okay, Mark, how about you? Do you want to share? Um, do you want to share? Yeah, I'd love to share. So um, one of the, I guess, exciting things about the online training was um, that you invited us to do our homework in a way that like, perhaps wouldn't have been the same way as if we were we were in class in like small breakout groups. Um, so one of our homework assignments was to lead a bed yoga practice. And Um, So I invited some of my Fat Kid Yoga Club community members to participate um, in that bed yoga practice. And then I also recorded it and made it available to folks who couldn't come. And I have gotten so much positive feedback from that bed yoga practice that I offered. Like for some people, it's their absolute favorite practice that I have ever offered them. Um, And they all say to me that, you know, at first they were kind of like, oh, you know, bed yoga, uh, I don't know how, what this, what's this going to be? But they were all surprised by how challenging 
yet supportive the practice was and that it was completely a different way for them to think about practicing yoga and certainly the same for myself. And so one of the things that I'm, I'm trying to do now is, is find more ways that I can offer folks more bread, bed yoga practices. So that means that I'm taking time myself uh, to get more comfortable and familiar with what is it to, to um, offer this practice uh, to folks who may be in a bed. And so that means I'm spending time, you know, lying down, um, and, uh, going through practices myself, um, because that's, that's how I learned. So that bed yoga practice, I think, um, was really valuable for me, but really valuable for the people that I share the practice with. Um, and so that, that's, uh, that's my story, if you will. That's great. I, um, I had, I think that was the part I missed, you know, the most from the in-person training was leading that practice actually, because in person, it's really, um, it's very much a hands-on experience where we're learning, actually we're learning about hands-on, we're learning about consent and whether or not um, to use hands-on and touch students and how to gain consent before we do that as part of learning how to adapt the practice in the bed. So it's actually a combined practice in person, but online we kind of separated those two things. And I'm just glad that the bed yoga piece still was helpful. Um, it is a really powerful practice, I think. And actually, the other part of it, bed yoga, to, to me, that's so exciting is not just that it works, but I think it demands creativity, you know, from the teacher or the student um, to really consider how yoga can be done in a completely different way than we're normally seeing it or experiencing it. Um, so like you said, I think it just, to me, it allows us to, to change our thinking and to step out of that kind of the, the routine that we get set up with the certain like series of poses we do or that we do them in the same way. And I think by doing that, it creates, that's what creates accessibility. Um, so anyway, thanks. That's awesome. Um, Jackie, how about you? Do you have any, any takeaways, like something that you realized from the training or some, maybe a story of something after that, how you've led the, uh, how the experience you've had with a student. I've heard you told me some stories before, actually. I know, and I'm going to share them. Um, my answer is probably going to be a little bit longer than my previous answers because um, I'm basically, if Accessible Yoga had a cheerleading squad, I think I might be like the head cheerleader <laughs> because it's affected my practice and my teaching so much. <laughs> um, I was surprised. One of my takeaways was how much um, accessible yoga was truly about service and how it was so deeply in line with the sutras. And in YCT, we just had a very basic um, intro to the sutras, but it wasn't until I took the accessible yoga training that um, I really felt more deeply aligned with my practice with the sutras. Um, I think the training in accessible yoga, it was just, I learned so much from this and it truly strengthened my own personal practice and that accessible yoga wasn't just about putting our bodies into the shapes of the poses but truly making it accessible in all the different ways financially in the way that we can bring the classes outside of a basic studio and how to get creative in those things mm -hmm. i 
that yoga was less asana than I had previously been taught and that leading a yoga practice to someone bedside was not necessarily about recreating the shapes. I do, I myself really like the bed yoga portion of the accessible yoga training. I think it, it brings a lot of creativity. Um, so I felt like it's made me really confident and able to make my classes more inclusive and accessible. I think the students that come into my classes feel more comfortable and confident knowing that they're safe and supported in all ways. And um, I feel like this training really empowered me in so many ways. Um, so one of my stories, and I know you probably might be thinking about this one, I always feel like my accessible yoga training was like field of dreams, you know, if you build it, they will come. So once I've taken the accessible yoga training, it felt like everybody was walking in the door suddenly. I had blind students, deaf students, amputees, everything in the book, but my one truly like big aha, this is amazing. I had to sit down in my car and text you. <laughs> what had just happened moment was that um, I was hired to do some private yoga sessions for a particular family. And in the room was, and just try to picture this, was um, a grandmother whose practice was strictly in a chair. She was in her 80s, still fairly active, but she was still in the chair yoga. One of her daughters had a knee injury, so she was partially in a chair, partially standing. The other daughter had cerebral palsy, but had been in an accident, and they had removed her tailbone, her coccyx. So she was not able to sit or stand for long periods of time. So she was doing her practice on a therapy table. And then the teenage daughter of um, the granddaughter was a healthy, able-bodied 16-year-old. Her only issue was maybe she had some tight hamstrings, but she could do anything and everything in her body. And that I was able to lead a yoga practice for the entire family with all of these different things going on almost seamlessly, like everything went really well. Everyone's needs were being met. Everyone felt um, included in the practice. It wasn't just for the standing people on the side of the room. Even um, the lady on the therapy table was completely involved in the practice. And afterwards, the family was so grateful because they hadn't ever been able to do any activities like that with all of them together. And that they were just so grateful that they had that moment together to share to each one of them, be able to be a part of it. Everyone felt so good about themselves and they felt good about their bodies afterwards, no matter what shape it was in that day when it showed up to the yoga practice. That's awesome. I know that I remember was, you telling me that. Yeah. That was a moment I will never forget. Quite honestly, it was that moment when every single one of them were in chair pose together was, I, I wish somebody had been in the room taking pictures. Not that yeah. I was in their thing, but it was just like, it was everything we had been taught in accessible yard. It still gives me chills when I think about it. Like they were amazing. And I never would have been able to figure that out on my own. There's no way that I would have been able to figure out how to teach that without accessible yoga training. Because if you think you're not ever gonna be in those situations, it, you might be surprised. You're going to have all kinds of bodies show up into your classes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's been my experience so often teaching over the years, just that so often the room may not have 
that kind of diversity of ability, but usually there's a lot more diversity than we realize. You know, even even if everyone might look like they're at the same level, they're not. You know, there's just everyone has stuff going on that may or may not. Exactly. Be. And that's obviously the most extreme example you could probably ever see. I wasn't expecting that when I walked in the door that day. Um, but it worked and I didn't get scared. I knew that I was equipped to handle this. And, um, but, but I have, and I've actually been a student in classes where they've had students with different um, disabilities come in the door and the teachers, I've heard them just say, just sit down in a chair and try to do what you can do or just ignore them. And then I end up having to not have because I really enjoy it, but like being able to help that student be a part of the class, I'll place yeah. next to them and say, here, here's, here's an option for you. Let's do this together. Not yeah. that I'm the teacher, but they were going to be ignored anyway. Yeah. I just, I appreciate you sharing it. Cause I do spend a lot of time in the training on that idea of teaching mixed level classes. And I think that's why, because I just, you know, for me, it, it took me many years to figure it out of how I could do it in a way that was comfortable for me as a teacher. But it feels so important that everyone feels welcome and um, actively participating at their level that they choose rather than being limited by my skills or ability as a teacher. You know, and I think that's what I kept seeing. Um, I see a lot of, you know, more, more experienced teachers kind of figuring it out on their own um, how to make everyone, you know, part of it. But I see a lot of newer teachers really struggling um, with that. And so that's why I thought of like, why not just teach people how to do it? You know, how to teach mixed level classes where people are really working at different levels. Thanks, Jackie. I'm a part of our local YCT now, and I do try to, I don't have a lot of time or availability, but I do try to teach them that, you know, there are more ways that you can do this than just telling people to sit in a chair or take yeah. Try to try to help a little bit and steer them in the direction. Like, here's some resources. <laughs> Learn. Yeah. That's great. Well, you can always send them to me. I have said that's the funny thing is the lady, the teacher that taught me my chair portion of my 200 hour after she saw my teaching. Um, after I'd taken the accessible yoga training, she actually flew to Virginia and took the accessible yoga training with Amber. Um, oh, I thought it was great that I sent my teacher to your training. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Oh, Jackie, you're so funny. Did you have another story you wanted to tell? I had a feeling, or not? Well, for me, honestly, there are dozens. I have had the, the, the pleasure of being able to teach so many different kinds. Um, most recently, I had a student come in who has... Um, um, dwarfism and an amputation. And so we were able, she had her uh, below knee amputation and to be able to get her into a yoga class where she was able to participate. Um, that was really strange. I actually had two new students, two separate students in the same week come in with amputations um, mm -hmm. and was able to help with them and teach them help them feel more comfortable in their bodies and um, be a part of the practice. And it was just exciting just to be able to just have that confidence to be like, we got this. And mm -hmm. I'm also really fortunate that I was able to join you in Atlanta. And that's where I got to meet Natasha too and assist in the training. So I felt like I got a little double dose of the training. I would do it every, I would do it every time. I love this training. <laughs> it's the best training ever. See, there's the 
<laughs> well, maybe you can come to the next online one. Cool. Thank you so much. All right. Well, we're kind of running out of time. I just wonder if you all, anyone else wants to share anything or say goodbye. Do you have any final thoughts, Natasha? Anything else you want to say? I just want to say thank you for taking the time to, to ask us to gather and, and talk because it's so nice to, to hear all of our experiences, um, you know, depending upon how long and, you know, we ourselves have been personally practicing and just hearing how um, this practice has done so much, not only for ourselves, but just for those who we're sharing it with. And, and so it's really um, nice, honestly, sitting here listening to everyone share their experiences because it just shows um, just, just how important it is, um, to, to have the practice of yoga, but also just the, the work that we're really putting out there and making sure that it truly is, is, is accessible and inclusive because, mm -hmm. if, you know, inclusivity looks different to all of us. Um, and I think that as long as we try to include those, especially throughout our own experiences into this practice and, and continue making it like a domino effect, you know, um, then we can all know that it's, it's that attainable. You know, we need mm -hmm. to continue to show um, all bodies, all experiences. You know, I love what Mark was saying about just all, everything, bring up the vulnerability because I'm the same way with my classes. We have discussions and things that just most wouldn't and it's because mm -hmm. it's necessary um, and we're holding space and recognizing as we're teachers that we are holding space. Um, so yeah, I'm just super appreciative for having um, just another tool that truly is used daily. <laughs> um, oh, and I'm grateful okay. to be amongst community um, and, and just looking forward to learning more from all of you. Thanks. Thank you. That's so sweet. I, I'm really touched too, just hearing this from all of you is making me more excited for the next training. So I'm excited. Um, okay, Sarah, how about you? Anything else you want to say before we leave? I'm just hearing so many things that I can completely relate to, like what Jackie was saying about having classes where nobody is left out. Um, it's just so awesome to be able to offer a class in a gym, being a person with a curvy body. And being up on the stage of the gym and teaching to classes that have, you know, from 18, you know, from the late teens through to in their 70s. We've got people with different size bodies, they've got different abilities, uh, even an, an amputee in one of my gym classes. And it's just a joy to see that no person is left out. And for Mark mentioning that bed yoga, and I was like, yes, I remember that bed yoga. And it was awesome bed yoga. And I've even adapted that one into a studio class where we used to do restorative practice, but because of COVID, we can't use um, props at the moment. So I've been doing a complete back session and people have been loving that, just exploring their movement, no props, but just using the floor as your prop. And yeah, I can't, I can't just like express everything in five seconds as to how great this stuff is. Um, you can only learn by doing it yourself. Thanks, Jeevana. Thanks. Thanks so much. Sarah. How about you, Mark? Anything, any final thoughts? I think I'll just echo what Natasha and Sarah said, like just being here in community, it almost feels like 
a class reunion or something like that and yeah. getting to hear how this training has impacted so many people um, in in their own practice, their teaching, also the, the folks that they share with the practice with. Um, it's just such a wonderful community to be a part of. And I'm so grateful to you, Jimena, and, and Amber, and everyone else that makes um, the Accessible Yoga community go, especially Sarah, since she's keeping that Facebook community um, yeah. <laughs> in order. Exactly. But it was really great to, to be um, in cyberspace with you all today and, and hear your experiences and stories live. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here, Mark. Um, Jackie, any final thoughts for us? Echoing the community and the accessible community that's been built around the world. Like you, this has movement has grown so big and is touching people all over the world. There's those accessible yoga groups in different countries, different regions of the US, all over the place. The resources that are available to each one of us as students of accessible yoga after the training and never goes away. We just keep learning. You keep offering more um, training opportunities like we just did with Kelly Palmer. We've got um, you know the yoga, the accessible yoga podcast, which is available to us and all of our different subgroups that are out. Like you just don't see that kind of training, support, follow-up and community. I don't, I just don't think it exists anywhere else but accessible yoga training. So if you get through the training, you're never gonna be alone. Like you have your team here and it's a big growing, amazing team. And I'm just, I love watching everybody just have these amazing successes. I think it's so great. Great. That's beautiful. Thanks, Jackie. I agree. I think it's an amazing community. I appreciate all of you today who are here sharing about the training and, and the work that you're doing in the world, which is amazing. So thank you for that. Thanks for all of your teaching out there and for changing. I, I really do think that the yoga world is changing. And I think, um, you know, this community is a part of that. Like, I feel like there is, um, what is it called? There's like this shift that I'm feeling and maybe it's COVID and Maybe it's Black Lives Matter. I don't know what it is, but I feel like the world's changing and, and yoga is changing along with it um, in the West. And it's just such a relief, you know, to feel like um, it's becoming more available. It's becoming less, um, I don't know, like exclusive and less um, about physical ability and just more about you know, connecting with your with yourself and then connecting with your community, which I think is really the heart of what I'm trying to teach and I think that we're trying to do in our accessible yoga training and our accessible yoga classes. Anyway, so thanks so much for being here today and um, for being part of our podcast. I really appreciate it and uh, talk to you all soon, I hope. Okay, bye. Thank you so much, Divina. Bye, thank you. Thanks, bye. Bye, everyone. 
Thanks for joining us for another week of the Accessible Yoga Podcast. I wanted to let you know that the new cohort of Jivana's Accessible Yoga Training Online is now forming. We start January 22nd and the course runs through February 5th. It's a 30-hour continuing ed program that will teach you to design multi-level classes where students of different abilities, ages, shapes, sizes, and experience levels can all practice together with ease. If you've been thinking about the training, we have a live info session with Jivana that's happening on January 14th. It's free to attend. He'll be giving some simple tips to make your yoga asana classes more accessible and answering questions about the upcoming accessible yoga training. So if you've been wondering what you should expect in the training, if online training is different from in-person, what topics will be covered, all of that will be covered in this info session on January 14th. Plus, Jeevana will lead a short asana and meditation practice. We'll have prize drawings, including a free spot in the training and lots more. So you can join the waitlist now and sign up for this free info session at AccessibleYogaTraining.com. We also hope you'll leave us a review wherever you subscribe to your podcasts and please subscribe to this podcast. We love hearing your feedback. It really helps us make it better each week. And we hope you'll give us some input on future guests or ask a question over at our podcast page, AccessibleYogaTraining.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks.